come to our scripture reading, and because we will make a reference to it in our sermon and our study today, I want to read from Luke chapter 2, just a few verses.
established that the Bible has supreme authority. We made a distinction, not the Pope in Rome, but also not the Pope at home who has a supreme authority, but God has supreme authority and he speaks to us in the Holy Scriptures. And we established that this is what we believe. But we also indicated already yesterday that sometimes God's authority can be kind of circumvented by that, but we actually do not understand the Scriptures. So if you do not understand the Scriptures, if you do not know who God is and what His will is, we cannot actually live according to His authority and according to His will. And therefore it is very important that we would understand Scripture rightly so that we do know who God is and what duty He requires of us. And today I want to look briefly at some principles that may help us to interpret the scriptures. Some help, some helps that we may have can get from the Word of God itself, of course, as well, that would help us to interpret scripture. And hopefully they will be a help to you as well, eventually when you read the Word of God. And there are six points, it will be all quite brief, but there are six points and six helps that hopefully give us um, some help to read the scriptures better and understand it in particular better. And the first one is, the first point is, know the content of the scriptures better. Know the content of the scriptures better. And that is important because if you do not know the content of the word of God, how could you ever even understand the Word of God? So you need to know first the content of the Word of God. And that not chiefly through reading books about the Scriptures, but knowing the Scriptures themselves. We have actually some people in our church, dear brothers and sisters, who have never read through the Old Testament. They know a lot of, about theology and Reformed theology, but they have never properly read through the Old Testament. And this is, of course, not good. We should know the Scriptures, especially those who are younger Christians among us. They should read the Scriptures as much as they can. Don't, don't get bogged down by some particular doctrines, but read the Scriptures. Know the Scriptures well. And also more mature Christians, they should know the Scriptures well. You will never graduate from reading the Word of God. That is always and should be the core of your devotional life, to read the Word of God and to know Scripture better. And continue with zeal to read the Word. Because if we think at some point we come to a stage of, in life where we don't need Scripture as much anymore, we may be actually then in a situation, a similar situation the church in Ephesus was. Church of Ephesus in Revelations, they lost the first love. They had good doctrine. They were checking all these false apostles and were able to identify that this is wrong and this is wrong and this apostle is a false apostle. But nevertheless, they lost the first love. And I do believe what they weren't doing anymore was exactly that what Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians that they should press on to know the Lord better and to know his will. Better. It is very vital to know the scriptures better. We see also the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, 
as we look again and again to the Lord Jesus Christ, how he was handling scripture, that he knew the scriptures, the content of the scripture very well. And therefore, he, the devil wasn't able really to confuse him. We know this um, point where he was being tempted by the devil, and the devil was quoting scripture to him. Was quoting scripture and was saying, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And therefore, they were saying, kind of, Well, throw yourself down. We see, there's scripture. This scripture has authority, doesn't it? It has authority, but the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly this is a trick because he knew the scriptures very well. And he was answering to the devil, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see, as soon as we know this, the content of scripture better, we know also how to answer in temptation, even if maybe scripture pops up. Someone comes and says, look, this is the authority of God's word. You have to do this. But then you know, okay, no, somewhere else, something else is written. Therefore, this is the first thing to know, the first help. Know the content of scripture better. Then the second point, the second point, the second help. Pray for understanding. Pray for understanding. And I know some of these points you will know very well. But I think this is extremely important. Pray for understanding. Because we do understand. And we acknowledge quite often also in our prayers before the reading of Scripture that we do not understand unless the Spirit of God opens our hearts. This is already the case with the new birth. So we cannot understand the things of God, the spiritual things, unless the Spirit of God opens our hearts. Because it is the Spirit, as our Catechism says, who enlightens our mind in the knowledge of Christ and renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the Gospel. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in particular explains that the natural man is not able to understand the Word of God. But we who, who are born again through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of us, given us new birth, we are not made independent from God. Rather, the new birth establishes dependence on God and dependence on the Spirit of God. And therefore, we are in need to continually also pray, Lord, give us understanding. Give us understanding in the Word of God. As we are united to Christ, this dependence is established in the dependence on God shows itself, I believe, chiefly whether we are prayerful people or not. Whether we are prayerful people or not, then we should pray for understanding. And this is the reason why we have in the scriptures many prayers, particularly in the lectures of Paul, where he prays, for instance, for the Colossians, that they would have more understanding of God and God's will. For instance, Colossians chapter 1, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk, may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, Paul wants that they would grow 
thing on every time before you read the scriptures. Third point. Know your confession better. Know your confession better. And with this I mean the Westminster Confession of Faith. A confession has many purposes. On one hand it summarizes, of course, the word of God for us so that it would be better understood by us. And that is, of course, a great help for us when you read the Word of God. It does protect us. We even heard that at the beginning of the service. It protect, protects us from errors, doctrinal errors, or other wrong things. It's kind of like a wall around the city that we would know what is orthodox and what is not orthodox. And it also, it also does, it helps us to pass on the deposit of faith to the next generation. It's so much easier to have a confession of catechisms to actually pass on the faith to the next generation. If you don't have that, you don't know exactly what are the, the, the core theological things I need to pass on to the next generation. But it is also, it is also like a map. It is also like a map, map to navigate the scriptures. Imagine, imagine to be somewhere up in the mountains, in the Swiss mountains. I know you don't have so high mountains here in Germany, but we have very high mountains in Switzerland. And imagine walking on a mountainous path, and there are many turns, and many cliffs, and many dangers on that path. You would want to have a map, which would guide you and show you basically the right way, because there may be many paths that go left and right that may seem good. But then, eventually, they end up where cliff is, or where stones fall down. And therefore, you want to have the right map to guide you through these difficult paths. And similarly, the confession is also a map for us to understand the scriptures. It shows us where dangers of interpretation. It shows us as well, possibly, when we come to some scripture, and for instance, in John 14, it says, my father is greater than I, and we come to the scripture and we think, well, in that context, the right interpretation is that the Son of God is actually lower in essence than the Father. But of course, the confession tells us this is not the case because it cites other scriptures that clearly show that Christ, the eternal Son of God, is equal with the Father in power and in glory. But sometimes we come to Scripture and we think, oh, this is a valid point of interpretation. But the confession helps us to keep us in the right path and so that we would not think wrong things about the Scriptures. And therefore we have a map to interpret Scripture. And yes, of course, a map is never infallible and inerrant like the scriptures. I mean, it's the same with the map we have. If you had a map of the whole world, the world may be, of course, this perfect reflection of something, so you know exactly what this stone and this stone is, and the map may not be perfect, but you still think a map is necessary, don't you? You would still use a map. And the same thing is the case with the confession. The confession is not infallible, not inerrant, but it is still necessary so that we would interpret Scripture rightly, and it helps us that we would not go the wrong way when we interpret Scripture. Therefore, know your confession better. Then we come to the fourth point. Attend to the faithful preaching 
of God's word. Attend the faithful preaching of God's word. This is extremely important. It is extremely important, especially maybe in our day and age, where people quite like to be in their homes and listen to sermons or just read the scriptures. And I think attending a faithful church or where there is faithful preaching of the word of God is even more important than reading the word individually at home. That sounds maybe strange to us. That sounds maybe strange to us. But think about it. For most of the time of the history of God's people, they did not have a scroll in the Bible at home. They had to prioritize the gathering of the saints. They had to prioritize hearing the scriptures explained to, to them and being read to them. And it should never be, it should never be that basically church is just a supplement to your reading. It should never be the case. Rather, you're reading, and it is extremely important. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should not read the Word of God, you should read it daily. But the reading should be a supplement to the preached word. Because one comes first before the other. And we should prioritize the gathering of the church and the preaching of God's word. And the reason is why this is so important is because God, in the history of God's people, has always made clear that he puts a high value on the preaching and that other men would teach others, or men would teach others. And we see a few examples of that in the Bible. For instance, we see very early on that the priests and the Levites, they had to teach the people of God. They, didn't, they weren't only responsible for the sacrifices and the temple worship, but they were also responsible for teaching the people of God. Leviticus 10, verse 9, immediately after Nadab and Abihu were killed by the Lord, and then it said in Leviticus 10, verse 9, the latter part, It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So God wanted that this would happen, that men would teach the people of God. And therefore he puts a high value on the teaching office. We see something similar than in Nehemiah 8a, the very famous passage where we see the people of God being gathered together and the Levites are explaining the word of God to the people of God. So they read distinctly from the book and the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. We need others to explain the scriptures to us. And it is not only the people in the Old Testament who are adhering to that principle. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself did the same thing. We just read it together in Luke 2. That he, as a 12-year-old boy, he would actually listen to the scribes, how they were teaching. And he was truly learning that day from the scribes. And what an amazing thing this is. That the eternal Son of God would come and would learn from sinful men 
but the Son of God himself had the humility to learn from men. And therefore, we should be likewise. And therefore, we see how important this is. The faithful preaching of God's word. It is very clear that without having this humility to learn from others, we will not understand the scriptures rightly. And that is, of course, also valid and legitimate to say for ministers themselves, for those who want to be ministers. We have to learn likewise from other men. We have to be taught by other men. And it's not even, it's not even experience teaching us the same. I know of many people in Switzerland who study the Word very diligently in their homes, but they have so many weird doctrines. They don't go to church. They read the Word diligently, but they don't really truly understand the Word. But those who attend faithfully over years a church that faithfully preaches the Word of God, you see actually growth and that they more and more understand the Word of God. And therefore we see, even by experience, how important this is to attend a faithful church so in order that we would understand the Scriptures. Therefore attend the faithful preaching of God's Word in order to understand His Word rightly. Come to the fifth help. Collective interpretation generally trumps individual interpretation. Very important for today as well. Collective interpretation generally trumps the individual interpretation of Scripture. This is very important for our day and age. How many of you have also heard people saying, I have read this passage, I've prayed over it, and I know this is the truth, what I see in Scripture. And we know exactly this can't be the truth. But they say, I've prayed, the Spirit of God is leading me, therefore it must be true, because I think it is true. But this is of course wrong. If this is at odds, this interpretation of this person says, or what we may even find in Scripture, which is at odds with the whole of church history, is possibly at odds with our confession, or even with a godly session that is experienced, we are probably wrong. We are probably wrong in our interpretations. And we should at least check again. Collective interpretation generally, usually, trumps individual interpretation. Now you may of course say, well, but what is, what is for instance, when we look back in the Old Testament, we see in Jeremiah's time, he, he was alone. And he was preaching the truth and there was no one else. Surely there the rule doesn't apply. Yes, the rule does not always apply. The rule does not always apply. But it generally applies. That the general and the collective interpretation trumps generally the individualistic interpretation. But of course sometimes it can be like in Jeremiah's time. Or even in the time of the Reformation where it seemed the majority of the church was rejecting what some of the reformers said, that sometimes the minority is actually right as opposed to the majority. But then we also have to consider that the majority was most likely unregenerate. 
therefore we also have to ask ourselves often, well, what do actually true believers believe and how they read the scriptures rather than those who are just outwardly confessing the word of God? Because we know and we learned even also yesterday, it is only the spirit of God that can give us true understanding. Yes, sometimes some liberal theologians have maybe some interesting insights into something which we can use, but generally, Liberal theologians are those who do not truly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and King and put their trust in Him. They do not quite understand the Word of God. And therefore, I think it mainly and chiefly applies to that, that the collective interpretation we mean those who are the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe the true gospel and hear the true gospel. And then, of course, as well, where that rule may sometimes not apply is that we know that the scriptures are in some places very clear about some things. They're sometimes very, very clear. Our confession says that as well. So I will read one or two things from our confession in the next few minutes. But one thing it says, chapter 1, in paragraph 7, it says, All things in scripture are not like plain in themselves, nor like clear unto all. Yet, those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or other that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in due use of the ordinary means, may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. So here they're saying some things are difficult to understand. They're very difficult to understand. And we can't just like read one or two verses and then say, oh, I know this topic and I understand. But then some things are relatively clear in Scripture, especially when it comes to the essential doctrines of the Gospel. And there it is sometimes very necessary, even if maybe the whole world stands against us, that we would say, no, this is a truth. And I know this is a truth because the Scripture is very, very clear on it. And we should not let ourselves be confused by some other theologians who say, well, what is standing here is actually not really here. And also here, that rule, that general rule, may not be always true and has exceptions in it. But, nevertheless, the general rule applies. The general rule applies. Because I believe, and Scripture says this as well, that we need Again, it's the same with the preaching of the heart. We need each other. And many men who are spirit-filled coming to the same conclusion surely bears more weight than one person coming to a conclusion as opposed to the many spirit-filled people who come to another conclusion. So generally, collective interpretation trumps individual interpretation. And that brings us to the last L. Scripture interprets Scripture. That's the sixth point. Scripture interprets Scripture. And I want to read something again from the Confession to you. And that's in chapter 1. And I'll read that to you. And I'll read the Confession to you because I said a bit earlier, know your Confession better. There are lots of helpful things in our Confession. And very deep and majestic things even we read in, in, in our confession. But paragraph 9 says, 
The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. And therefore, when there is a question of, about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which is not manifold but one, it must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. And again also, this rule is very important. We will tomorrow speak and look at the sufficiency of Scripture. And that goes actually into that topic already, the sufficiency of Scripture. That the Scripture is sufficient, sufficient in itself to interpret itself. That's a very important rule to understand the Scriptures. We do not need to be, we do not need to be, you see how I put the emphasis, an expert in Egyptian mythology to understand Moses. You do not need to be an expert in Greek and how the Greek used some words in order to interpret Scripture rightly. These things may be helpful, but they are not an infallible rule. And we should be very weary if someone comes and says to us, well, because the context around Israel, we don't see any hint of that in the Scripture, was doing this and that, and therefore we should also read exactly the same content into the scriptures and the same interpretation of the scriptures and change therefore Christian doctrines which have been established for thousands of years. This we should not do because the scripture itself interprets the scriptures, not the circumstances. If there's no hint in it, we have sufficient in the scriptures to come to an infallible to an infallible um, understanding of the Word of God. The same thing, I think, happens actually with some of our Baptist friends, with the word baptizo, as that often is kind of taken as a word study is done outside of the Scriptures, and say, okay, this is exactly what it means outside of the Scriptures, therefore it must also mean the same inside the Scripture. And sometimes that happens also with justification, the Greek word, therefore it must exactly mean the same in the Scriptures. But the problem with that is that the scripture themselves it sometimes take words which are used outside of the Bible in a bit of a slightly different way that the Bible uses it. And they use that word and reapply and give a new meaning to it. One famous example is the word logos. The Greek, the Greek philosophy, they were saying a lot of things about logos. And now comes John is that Logos is Christ, the Son of God. You see, we can't then use the Greek ideas about the Logos chiefly and just say, well, this is exactly what John meant. No, he's reapplying it. He is using a word and giving it a different meaning. Similarly, circumcision. Circumcision was practiced in the Old Testament with the surrounding nations, but then God takes that and gives it a new meaning. And therefore, we should be very, very careful of just taking things that were outside happening in the context and saying, well, this is exactly the same way how the Bible uses it. We have to check the Bible, how the Bible uses a specific word or a specific context. And then we can make binding statements about this, but not just taking the outer context and applying it or reading it into the Bible. But how? How should we do some of this if we want to use the scripture to interpret scripture? If we say here the infallible rule of interpretation.
interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. How should, shall we do this? Well, I think there one one rule or one help within this sixth point is certainly clearly stated here by the Westminster Divines, the latter part of paragraph 9. It must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. So within this sixth point, we see actually another help, which says that we should, with the help of clearer passages, interpret the less clear passages. So if we have scriptures, we have passages which are difficult, difficult to understand, therefore we look first for clearer passages. If you're thinking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not first go to revelations, but we go to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ first, and to Paul's teaching, and then when we have this context, we go to revelations. And we know okay, the clear passages speak thus, and therefore in Revelation that cannot contradict the clear passages. So this is very important, that we would use clear passages to interpret the less clear passages. And also, within that, the easier interpretation is often the right interpretation, not always, but the easier interpretation is often the right interpretation. I recently was in the south of Germany, speaking on the question of baptism, that's why I, I brought up Baptizo again, and it's a church that has actually changed their, well, the elders have changed their position from adult baptism only to infant, infant baptism, and we were also then discussing the questions afterwards, so people were alive to ask me. We were discussing the mode of baptism. And I do remember I brought up the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people that were baptized in one day. And I was making the point that if all the apostles were baptizing by immersion, they would have stood in the water for eight hours straight, all the 12 apostles. And therefore it is even with also the difficulties where to get the water, it is very unlikely, very unlikely, that they would have been immersed in the baptism. Not, not absolutely impossible, but unlikely. And some will pipe up and will say, oh, don't you believe in miracles? And we'll say, well, there's no hint for a miracle here. And we should go with the easier interpretation rather than the more difficult one. Or then think, okay, this is really obscure, and we make we need to press a miracle, and not to say I believe, of course, in miracles where there are miracles um, accounted for in the Bible, but not just make a very straight passage more difficult by inserting a miracle there. But yes, we should use the clearer passages to interpret the less clear passages. And then also a second rule within this sixth help. Um, that scripture interprets scripture is that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. The New Testament interprets the Old Testament. We see that how the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the disciples who were on the road of Emmaus. He was teaching them what the Old Testament was teaching, something which they had not seen before, had not seen in the scriptures before. Or we see also Peter, the day of Pentecost again. What was he saying? This is what is now happening. What was prophesied in Joel. So the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. Paul does the same thing. Romans 9, he gives us 
it gives us an idea what actually the, the, the meaning of, for instance, Genesis 25 was when Rebecca had twins. And he explains that was already describing election. Or when we come to Galatians 4 with Isaac and Ishmael, and we see how the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And from this follows naturally that it is legitimate to read the New Testament into the Old Testament. That it is legitimate to read the New Testament into the Old Testament. And that we should understand the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament, what the New Testament is saying about the Old Testament. And that is, of course, also very important. But that does not mean we should not know the Old Testament. We should know the Old Testament very, very well. Because if we don't know the Old Testament, we don't actually know what the New Testament authors were writing about and speaking about. So we should know the Old Testament very well. And therefore, that's the end of it. Scripture interprets Scripture. That's the sixth help. And now I have just, as a seventh point, very brief exhortations for you, kind of applications, which I usually have at the end of my sermons. The first one is, we have spoken now about interpreting scripture, about theology, but very important is that we not only study the scriptures and try to understand the scriptures, although this is extremely important, but also to do what the scriptures tell us. Also do what the scriptures tell us. Exactly there we see with the Lord Jesus Christ, there was no basic gap between these things studying the scriptures and doing it. It said in Isaiah 50 that he immediately would do exactly what the scriptures told him to do. So we should also view the scriptures. Secondly, have patience. Have patience. When you read the Bible, when you don't understand some things, have patience. Don't get bogged down. Read on. Read the scriptures. Study it. And over the years, you will understand more more, even though you may sometimes struggle with the reading, going through the name lists and so on, but keep on, keep pressing on, and the Lord will actually um, bless you for it eventually. And then lastly, always remember, seek the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. Ask yourself, where is Christ here? Where is Christ here? He who is a red thread through the scriptures and seek the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is something that really gives us the motivation and the perseverance to press on when we see more of Christ in the scriptures. And we're delighted to find these passages and to see how passages then apply to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, you have given us 66 books in your word. You have given us a long book. And as we have even seen, even when we went through some of these principles, we could have said so much more. But Lord, how much we need your help not to go into a wrong direction. And Lord, we do pray that you would guide us, each one of us, Lord. And that also you would protect this very pulpit here in Stuttgart, 
that your word would be preached faithfully also in the future, that your word would go forth in power and in truth, Lord. And we thank you that Dylan is preparing himself to take up this task, and we do pray that you would bless him for it, Lord, and that you would bless the church through the preaching of your word, and that your word would be rightly understood, and Christ's glory again and again be seen in the scriptures. Amen.